Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 67, The Lobster Movie Review. Brian here, along with Yancey Eden. It's Pop Goes World, a pop culture podcast for the generations. Yancey, we took a little bit of a time off, but uh, but we're back. What's what's new and exciting mm-hmm. in your world, my friend? Uh, not a whole lot. Normally, I have at least some idea of what I want to say at the intro, but I really don't have anything. My favorite baseball player was just DFA'd, which is uh, he was designated for assignment. He's basically kicked off the team for nothing. Uh, I know this isn't a baseball podcast, but that has me pretty tilted. And, uh, you know, just sent, people reaching sent, out to uh, me. Sent down to the minors for the yes. uh, for the non-baseball people listening out there, right? Yeah, basically it's bad. It's like a – it's an F you to that player. Um, <laughs> it's like all your hopes and dreams are smashed and I'm, I'm kind of recovering and people keep tweeting me and texting me and stuff. And right now I just kind of want to crawl into a hole. So I know that sounds a little childish but literally my favorite player. I met him last year. If you go on my Twitter, guys, the, the guy you see me, you know – with in the in the photo is is that player so it, it's a little tilting this only happened right before we started recording so uh, pardon me if i'm a little yeah. out of my wits but uh, what's new and exciting with you chris i uh, i do apologize to you because it was you know you, you never sell me out but it was my scheduling conflicts that we didn't have a show last week so thank you for uh being flexible and allowing me to record this week oh no problem at all it's all good so uh what's new with me oh so uh, okay so as you may or may not know, Yancey, I tend to quote movies from Gen X on a regular basis. I don't do it as much on this podcast as you might think, but in my regular life, I'm quoting movies like crazy on a regular basis all the time. And sometimes it's like these obscure quotes, not like the, the ones you would think. It's not like, hey, we're going to need a bigger boat. You know, nothing like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's always like obscure quotes. And I do this all the time. So anyway, just tuck that away. Just know I do this in my life all the time. So my wife comes to me the other day. And my wife um, is, uh, not to share too much, she's a social worker, okay? And so she comes to me and says, okay, honey, this I need your help. She And I'm not going to go into all the reasons why, but what she had to do is she had to do um, like a mock um, – counseling session okay so she's like i have mm-hmm. to do a mock counseling session and i need to i need someone to sit in will you do it for me and i was like yeah okay sure so what do i got to do she's like you just got to sit there we have to do a uh, half an hour and i'm going to we're going to sit down and i'm going to get, do a counseling session with you and you i'm going to um ask you your you know your name i'm going to ask you why you came today and you can just put anything out there that you want and I'm like, oh, okay. this, this is great. This is because I'm I used to do improv, right? So I'm like, oh, this is like a chance to do some improv again. This is wonderful. I'm gonna love this. So I said, of course, you know, I'll help you with that. That'd be great. So we go to sit down. She pulls out her clipboard, and she says, uh, so why are you here today? And I looked at her and I said, my old lady don't let me eat salami no more. And she just stands up and just walks out of the room. <laughs> she just walks away. And this is over. And so, nope. <laughs> not and doing it. <laughs> like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. And so, anyway, the, the 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 significance of this is that it's a quote from a movie that I love. It's a movie called Zapped, and it was with like Scott Bayo, and it came out in like 1984. And it was like he was like this high school student, and he gets like these powers. 
to be able to like with his mind he can move things around and stuff and scatman crothers is in it anyway any jet hexers out there that have seen that movie might remember the scatman crothers character and he has that line in it and it's it's just the first thing that came to my mind my wife is like oh why are you here and i dropped that and she just ended the thing it's like i'm done goodbye and walked out of the room so anyway uh just dropping random quotes so that's pretty much what i've been up to so that's that anyway um you nominated a movie for this week uh for us to watch uh and uh, and review so are you ready to get right into it i am ready chris let's do this okay here we go we've got avatar titanic T2. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. But here's the spin on it. Uh, I've never actually seen True Life. The best scene in the movie isn't CG because it's with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Toy Story 3 made me cry. That's the one with uh, with Tom Cruise, right? Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Imagination is where the real power is. When it comes to movie magic... Okay, so yes, you nominated uh, a movie, The Lobster. Okay, and then you had me watch this movie. I had never... Not only had I not seen it, I had to confess on our last show, I had never even heard of it believe it or not. And uh, so you made me watch this movie. And uh, so do you want to start things off? Maybe tell me why, you know, why you picked this one or what the significance is to you. And then we'll kind of get into it. Uh, Sure. So a lot of the movies that I do recommend to you are, you know, they, they're more than a few years old. There's a couple exceptions like interstellar. That was a relatively new movie. Uh, This one I watched about a year and a half ago, and I think I've seen it three times since then. I watched it again this week for the podcast And uh, it's one of those just really, really strange movies that is almost entirely a metaphor after a metaphor after a metaphor. And it just brings to attention a lot of like really kind of like messed up things that we deal with as a society, particularly as they deal with expectation and relationships with people. Um, This is a fantastic movie. It was critically acclaimed. And uh, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes right now, it has an 88 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a certified fresh movie. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, Like I said, it touches on so many different things that aren't immediately obvious and if you're not really paying attention to the film you're gonna a lot of stuff is gonna be lost on you um it's not something that you can just passively watch while you're you know screwing around on twitter or something so i just think it's really really interesting i think um it's just a kooky movie i've never seen anything even remotely similar to this and from the first time i saw it i was just immediately hooked but what are your initial thoughts of it okay so i mentioned my wife earlier and so one of the things that she always says to me when i'm about doing the pod she'd be like okay so what movie do you have to watch what movie is yancey making you watch this week you know because she's you know energetic she wants to like watch it with me right and Mm -hmm. um so i said it's called the lobster so she immediately you know grabs out her ipad and she goes to like imdb or something like that and looks up the description and she says in a dystopian future she's like i'm done right there (laughs) and i'm like she's like what is it with yancey nominating these movies that are Every one of them starts with in a dystopian future. And I'm like, and I thought, you know what? She has a point. Like there is something about, you know, these movies you keep throwing at me to watch that, you know, have this like dystopian future, you know, setting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting. So I sat down. So she wouldn't watch it with me. I had to watch it alone. And the thing is, this is going to be interesting because I am a huge film buff. As you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. In addition to loving Gen X movies and liking things like Animal House and Airplane and all those kind of goofy movies I love. I'm also a, a real film buff, film buff. I really am at heart. And so this, you know, you would think this would really, really fit into that mold because it is kind of like off the wall. It's, it's, it is very, it's more of a film than, than a movie. We've talked about that before. All those sure. things. Um, but I have to say, I absolutely 100% hated this movie. I absolutely, my reaction to it was, I hate this. I absolutely mm-hmm. hate it. And the thing was, I thought was interesting, because then I, after I'm done watching it, I went and looked up, just like you said, I went on to, 
um, Rotten or Rotten Tomatoes. I went on to uh, a couple other places and looked at reviews, and they're all highly rated. Like I'm like everyone else seems to like this movie. I don't know what it is. I've been accused in the past of being textbook and just liking the mainstream stuff, but I'm deviating from the norm on this one because everybody you liked it. Everyone else online seems to like it. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> of every movie that you made me watch, this was by far the worst. By far the most painful for me to sit through. I, it was actually painful. And it's funny that you mentioned you can't just passively watch this movie. That's what I ended up doing because not very, not very far. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. Not very far into it. I found myself just looking up hockey scores. I am Canadian. Interesting. I am Canadian. So I was like looking up the hockey scores just to keep myself – just to pass As one does. To get through. Yes. Yeah. Like a, so, like a good Canadian boy. That's, yeah, that's you know, sure. I'm Canadian. You know, Chris, honestly, I'm, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. Um, I thought there was maybe a 5% chance that you would even be slightly okay, like lukewarmish on this film. I, I did not expect you to like it at all. Um, I was hoping that you could look past like the initial weirdness, like the overt acting, the monotone, like uh, voiceovers of, of everything, the narration, just how kooky the scenes are, the random camels and, and flamingos and, you know, porcupines and all these different animals that you see in the background. And um, I was hoping that the, the, the metaphors and what they were trying to say, like I said, as you know, about society and like just the commonality of, of how people try to find people, you know, just the, the 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 importance that we put on relationships and how like we want people to fit inside our box or that how people who aren't in relationships are are thought to be you know almost like subservient like lesser of citizens and I, I don't know I really thought that you would have thought that that was kind of super clever and would have appreciated it, but um I, I guess uh I guess it just fell flat you know it didn't really strike the strike the you know the thought that I was hoping was I I don't really I don't know where to go like where this like I don't know how to flesh out like um. I mean, is it like you you saw the metaphors, but you just didn't appreciate them, or you didn't think that they were you know credible, or that it just didn't make sense, or like what what is the disconnect that we're we're finding so, here? Good questions all around. I think there there's lots of things about it. Um, I, I I mentioned last show when you when you said, hey, well, I want you to watch a lobster. I'm like, okay, and you said it was with Colin Farrell. So this would be interesting because I don't really like Colin Farrell that much. I don't know. There's just something about him. It just rubs mm -hmm. me the wrong way. And but the thing is that I will give him some credit because in everything else that he does, he tries to come off as, and I think he sort of successfully does come off as a movie star. You know, he has this movie star quality about him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's kind of like the bad guy or whatever, you know, like the, the bad boy, yeah. you know, yeah, type sure. thing. But he's definitely like sort of movie star quality. In this, he's very schlubby. You know, he's put on weight. He's got kind of a bit of a pot belly. And his, he's completely monotone. And he's playing a completely against type character of what his persona is that he's created for himself. So for that, I will give him credit. And I'll tell you what, as soon as she came on the screen, when I saw Rachel Weisz come on the screen, I was like, oh, thank God. I I really like Rachel Weisz a lot. I think she's a wonderful, wonderful actress. And she has, I think she has a lot of depth to everything that she does. There's something about her that's very unique in the way she looks, the way that she acts, the way that she she characterized her characterization of, of her characters. I like her. And so when she came on the screen, I thought, oh, good. Maybe this movie will be saved. But she, even she couldn't save the way to this movie for me. Like, I just, I didn't like where it went from the get-go. I found it to be boring. I thought the, um, I thought overall the, 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 the themes in it were, were, were not done properly. I don't know. Overall, it's just so many things I just really didn't like. I, I guess the, the, the main thing for me was I just found it boring, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. 
I'll say, um, so my, while I was watching this last time, uh, just right up until the podcast, I was talking with my wife and she would, you know, come in and come out and she would be on the laptop or she was cooking dinner at one point. And so she was kind of watching it, but not really, like I said, actively engaged with it. And there were certain scenes where I would have to give her like a little bit of an explainer just because she, you know, she wasn't there to watch the whole thing. And once I kind of explained what was going on or why this one odd thing was happening or how this ties into the movie as a whole, she was really, really into it. But as like, I noticed like when she would sit down and watch, you know, 10, 15 minutes at a time, her attention would wane. She, she would be pretty bored by it. And my wife has, you know, a better taste in, in movies than I do. So um, it's, it is interesting that like you had such a difficult time with it because like I said, my wife does too. And normally she and I, when it comes to taste in, in movies, we are much more closely aligned and it wasn't the case this time. Um, I, I think she was willing to appreciate what it was trying to say. I just don't think she really cared for how they chose to say it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the thing that really got me was I get done watching the movie. And again, I know it's, you're going to have to explain some of it to me because I was going in and out watching the hockey scores at this point. So I didn't really kind of figure everything out, kind of what happened. And I really didn't care. I hate to say, like, I just, I wasn't invested in the characters in any way, uh, you know, even the story. Um, so, yeah, so I didn't really pay attention. But the thing that got me was I get to the end and then I thought, okay, what am I missing here? You know, you've, you've made me watch some really <laughs> movies, but I mean, like this one, I was like, man, this one's off the cliff, right? So, can what I just it, say likewise, Chris? Like, yeah, oh, I know. That, that, exactly. That's the whole point. You don't like my generation's films and I don't like your generation's films because they suck. But, you know, here's the thing. Like, they've all been kind of crappy. But this one was like really, really a stinker for me. So it just – I thought, what am I missing? I'm missing something here. Like it's trying to do something here and it's not connecting with me. So what am I missing? And that's when I went out and I started reading some – um, some different uh, reviews on it and stuff. And the thing that got me absolutely the most about it was that the fact that it was described as a comedy. And I was a like, whoa, comedy, whoa, whoa, yes. whoa, what, what, what? This is a comedy? Okay, let me go back and think about this for a second here. In what freaking alternate dystopian future universe is this a comedy? Please explain to me. That's what I want to know. Chris, I think this is the, I'm trying to think of like a real life like simile or like a comparison that would kind of like perfectly like put a bow on what we're experiencing here. And if we were in a band, you and I would have split up because of creative differences right here, right? <laughs> if, the, if you and I were in a marriage, this would be irreconcilable differences. If we were like a celebrity power couple. Right. It's just it's two things where I don't think there's any type of deep diving that I can do or like a way that I can articulate exactly why I like this film. I think you and I, when it comes to stuff like this, we're just on such opposite spectrums that like it's going to be really, really difficult to find some sort of common ground. OK, so um, so then answer me this then if you could. And I, and I, I think I've touched on this on a previous podcast, but I got to ask this again. This whole dystopian future stuff. Is this a Yancey thing or is this a millennial thing? I really – I need to know. Um, You know, I don't know. I mean it's definitely a Yancey thing. I, I, I can't speak for you know the millions of people who fall within my age group. Um, I, I do think it's more common now than it ever was at any point in history. You know what I mean? Just like, like – we, we've touched on this before but just the advent of technology, artificial intelligence, um, the unsureness of the planet, climate change, all those types of things. The doomsday scenario is pretty attractive as a you – know, as a – a genre, I guess, just because it seems more and more likely with each passing day. And I'm not trying to get political, but, you but know, why, yeah, but why now? Like, why now? Like, because, I mean, I lived through the Cold War and I'll tell you right now, in the early 80s, there was a massive mass. You know, you know, you maybe not know this. I don't know. I'm not saying how much you know about history, but, you know, you, you weren't there, obviously. But in the early 80s, like there was a palpable fear 
around the world that there was going to be nuclear war between the United States and the Soviet Union. It was like a foregone conclusion. It got to the point where there was the strategic defense initiative called Star Wars, you know, that Reagan had put into place to try and shoot down missiles in, in space as they were coming over and stuff. Like, it was this huge... It, we knew that it was coming. Movies like War Games, you know, spelled it out for, for us from a pop culture point of view. But other than, like, War Games, like I mentioned, it didn't pervade pop culture, you know? But now it is. So there's no threat of imminent threat of nuclear war. Um, you know, in fact, you know, the, the former Soviet Union and the United States are, you know, you could argue are closer than ever, you know what I mean, in some ways. You know, this is true. Yep. So what, I, 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 why, why this dystopian, you know, stuff? Like I, I lived through the freaking Cold War worried about being, you know, getting a permanent orange afro. You know what I mean? From a nuclear weapon blowing up. And, you know, like, so I mean, well, I, I think, I mean, not to, not to compare different time periries and stuff. Like I, I think that you guys, your fear, <laughs> that is true. That's exactly what we do. Actually, mm -hmm. uh, you guys' fear was completely warranted. Um, you know, talking about like nuclear, you know, potential nuclear fallout and, and, and whatnot, like nuclear attacks and the cold war and stuff. But we're dealing with that same stuff. Now, N nuclear proliferation across the world is even bigger. Like I said, the advent of artificial intelligence, um, just, you know, chemical warfare, uh, just any, anything you name. I, I feel like every single um, every single danger that we face as like a society, it becomes amplified, even if the chances of it actually happening to us, you know, being one out of six and a half billion people is so much smaller. I think just because everything gets a headline, everything um, it, you can find as much bad news as you possibly want to. Right. So we are there's the acclimation that like kids who grew up with the Internet in the digital age is just so much different where you are subjected to so much more negativity, so much more, you know, just pain and violence and danger and disgust. Like, I really think that that kind of um, it, it formulates you to have a completely different mindset where almost like a. You know, it's when you keep getting hurt by something, you, it's almost like you crave it. You know what I mean? I, I maybe I'm just completely off base and there's there's psychology insight, you know, psychiatrists just completely shaking their head and disgust that I'm even mentioning stuff like this. But I just think it's a sign of the times that, you know, there's so much information and a lot of that information, unfortunately, because, you know, it, it gets the clicks and it gets the eyeballs. It is negative in nature. I think that's kind of it's just naturalized us to that. And you're kind of seeing that percolate as, as more millennials are making films and you know, they're the ones who are the driving force at the box office right now. So it's, it's the people in Hollywood giving them kind of what they want. If that makes sense, that was a really weird diatribe, but here we are. So I, another thing that just kind of just struck me right now was about this film. <clears throat> Not that long ago we watched, okay, let me set this up. This movie seems to be some of the, the overarching themes in this are, um, you know, um, individuality and conformity and things like that, right? And the fact that it takes place inside an institution, basically, struck me as being similar to a movie that we just watched not that long ago from my generation that I nominated for the podcast. And that was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which explored a lot of those themes as well. Right. In different ways, you know what I mean? But whereas um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was really at its heart was all about individuality and, and, it, and it bursting free. You know, whereas this one tended to go the other way, right? More about conformity and I don't know. I just, it, it struck me as being, there's being similarities in terms of the films themselves, 
Mm-hmm. But the end result was like I again I oftentimes find comparing things to older stuff. That's what I do, right? Right. And, that's your and, frame of reference. That's, yeah. That's and so my frame of yeah. reference is is if you're talking about an institution that has some apparently funny parts in it, I guess you know, um, then there's a lot of similarities between this and Cuckoo's Nest. But Cuckoo's Nest was so much better. You know, you know what I mean, and it explored some of these themes a lot better to me, and, and did so mm-hmm. with humor as well. Like, do you, do you see any parallels between the films, or am I totally wrong on that, or what? No, I, I see some parallels. I, I mean, I'm not gonna even, I'm, I'm not gonna put the lobster in the same category, or the same camp as as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It, like, I even told you when we reviewed the film, like that is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's as close to perfect as you can possibly get. Like, how you feel about Jaws? That's how I felt about that movie. I think it's mm-hmm. so much better as a, just a standalone film than Jaws is. But, um, I, I, I think. The maybe maybe the main issue with all the things that they were trying to convey, like the points that were trying to be made with these metaphors was just that um, it was shrouded in, like you said, like this, quote unquote, you know, finger quote humor, this dark humor where that kind of takes the I don't know, it it takes the seriousness or the gravitas of whatever issues that they were trying to discuss. It kind of takes that away just because of how it's packaged, where I still think like the points are incredibly poignant in themselves. Like there's a bunch of words, like keywords and themes that I wrote down. Obviously, this whole thing is about relationships and how society views them. Right. But it goes deeper than that. It talks about like um, like uh, manipulation and how we manipulate each other. Like it talks about like the one character where um, he wanted to be with the one really cute girl who constantly got nosebleeds. So he was literally punching himself in the face or, you know, you know, taking a, a shoe or something and hitting himself in the nose to give himself nosebleeds. It was that manipulation of your partners. And he was doing things to entice a desired mate. Uh, there were other things like superficiality where there was a character. It was a very beautiful blonde girl and she has this long blonde hair. And she starts talking about how, you know, just because, you know, you're you're born with hair doesn't mean you're going to keep it. And, you know, you, you, you have to be, you know, given that and it's destiny. And, and it really talks about like privilege in that sense, too. And just how like societal expectation, like if you're not born with something specific, you know, well, that's just too bad. You're not, you know, it, it's just never going to happen for you. There's all these little different themes that it talks about, like even even whenever Colin Farrell's character, David, talks about um, why he wants to be a lobster. The animal he has chosen to be turned into is, in fact, a lobster. And he says, well, you know, they live to be over 100 years old. They have blue blood, just like the you know aristocrats do. And they're they remain fertile and sexually active their entire lives. So like these are like really like kind of like just like surface level criteria that don't they shouldn't matter that that shouldn't be like the main reason why you would want to be turned into an animal but that's <laughs> i just think it's like such an interesting way and it like really delves into like his character as a whole how he can be kind of cold and almost like calculated and and like incredibly impersonal um like i said i i know all these things i'm saying to you like it doesn't really it, it doesn't hold the same meaning for you, but I just thought in all the instances, every single line of dialogue was intentional. It was a point. It was something to be proven. Even things as far as like expectation. That was another thing that was so big in this movie. Like, uh, you know, the, the one girl, the redheaded character, who's like the leader of the the misfits who live out in the forest, despite the fact that she is, you know, living off the grid, she's living, you know, completely against the rules. She still feels that she has to meet expectations by going and visiting her parents and acting like she has this outstanding job and playing the part. And there's just so many individual things in this movie that I think that they just they they just teased at, like, and didn't make it blatantly obvious for people. And I, I, 
I don't know how to wrap this up, but just, I thought it was incredibly like beautiful and artistic and clever how they did it. But um, this is just one of those things, like I said, where we're just going to have to uh, <laughs> we're just going to have to agree to disagree. It's an acquired taste. I thought it was interesting. She made some parallels between Colin Farrell's character and an actual lobster. Right. I'm going to make right. a parallel between this movie and an actual lobster because this movie, much like an actual lobster, this movie should be dropped alive into a pot of boiling water. <laughs> oh, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And the thing is, so you mentioned you've seen this movie three times, correct? Like in order for me to right. watch a movie more than once, there has to be something – there has to be that rewatchability factor to it. And it was – it struck me right from the get-go like this – I would – I could never – ever ever sit through this movie more than once and i just find it interesting because you obviously it's, it's it goes beyond i think just the fact that you liked it and i didn't like it there's something else going on there for you to be able to say hey I can, like i can watch a movie and really appreciate it and think it's a great you know piece of art and i think it's got something to say doesn't mean i want to watch it again you know why want to wanting to watch it over and over again there has to be some sort of inherent watch rewatchability quality to mm-hmm. it and this movie really lacks that for me so what is it that drew you back to watch it three times it's, it's, obviously it's the, the third time thing. was for the podcast but right it's the exact same thing that we've talked about before with me where i like movies where uh especially the ending is very ambiguous. There's multiple interpretations. There's lots of little Easter eggs that they drop in lines of dialogue. There are callbacks to different scenes in the movie throughout it. So like, um, you know, it's just this really complicated web. And like I said, you know, going offline and just kind of reading what other people thought about it, it brings to light this whole new, you know, thing that you didn't even think was possible. Like, uh, like the ending, for example, we could talk about that. They meet up in a diner. Long story short, like, so there's this thing where everybody's supposed to have like this one commonality. There's supposed to be this one defining feature. And that's why any two people are together. Either it's they both get bloody noses. That's why they're together. Or they're both they both have a limp or something. You see what I'm saying? Something very superficial that should not matter. But it's it's a metaphor for how we view people, the things that we think are important that really should not be important. So the last scene is they're sitting in a diner and she has been blinded. Uh, the wisest character, she's been completely blinded. She cannot see. And so he feels left out. He feels like they no longer have something in common. They don't have that one commonality. And, you know, he's tried for days and days to find something. The two of them can also say he asks him, you know, he asks her, what is your blood type? Um, you know, do you speak German? Like just really stupid stuff, like I said, that should not matter. And then finally it comes to him like – well, she's blind. That's her defining feature. I'm going to blind myself so that she and I can be together. So as they're sitting in a diner, he literally asks the waiter for a steak knife. He goes into the bathroom, and there's this really just – it's very hard to watch. But he's basically standing in front of the mirror and kind of trying to like talk himself into actually gouging his eyes out. And that's whenever it kicks back to Rachel Wise's character and she's sitting there. Like I said, she's blind. She doesn't know what's going on. She's just sitting there waiting. You can see outside as the cars are driving by. And there's this really long scene, this one shot of her just sitting there. And you're expecting him to either see him bolt out the, the you know, bolt out of the restaurant and just decide he can't do it and then see him run out the window or come and sit down or, or hear screaming because he actually, you know, pierced his eyes. But it doesn't give us any of that. It's, it shows her sitting there, and then all of a sudden you see the credits roll. It's left completely up to interpretation. It depends on, you know, do you think that he actually did this so that they could have, you know, you know, they could be together. They would both be blind. Did he bolt on her out the back door? 
simple stuff like that, honestly, Chris, where it doesn't spell it out exactly how it happened. It doesn't tie your ending neatly up in a bow. I think that's what makes a movie like this so special is it? it doesn't dumb it down for the audience. That's fine. So what's, what's your guess? What do you think happens at the end? Um, I think that he realizes that he can't possibly do that, that no person could possibly do that to themselves. And I think other than face her, uh, he decides to leave. I think that's what happens. Hmm, interesting. I guess, again, like I was kind of going in and out and watching the hockey scores at this point, but I kind of thought that like, he was going to do it. And it kind of struck me because, he, you know, he he actually called out the other guy. Remember the other guy that was banging his nose to make himself bleed, as you mentioned, so that he, right. could, he could be with that uh, the other girl, the girl he wanted to be with. So they have something in common. He called him out. Remember, he went to the house and said, hey, that, he's banging his nose to do this. You guys yep, don't yep. really have anything in common. He's a fraud. Right. And then at the end, it was like, you know, he's going to poke his eyes out to just be conformity, you know, again, going back to like Cuckoo's Nest, this movie's about conformity and Cuckoo's Nest was about individuality. I thought you mentioned loneliness too, as a theme in this, Mm -hmm. but again, I'm going to draw, you know, parallels. I'm going to draw comparisons to a Gen X movie. And to me, like when I think of lonely, cause I, cause I did think of that when I was watching this, that this is really about loneliness, right. And how people feel alone and how they can't connect. Even the scene on the bus where there's the one girl trying to connect with him. And she's basically saying, you can do anything you want to me. You could violate me any way you want sexually. You can have me any way you want. Like I'll just I'm yours. I'll and, do anything, right? And he was just like, no, you know? And there was just that 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 feeling of loneliness that was there. And it and it, it goes on throughout the movie. It, it I also felt it because I had to watch this movie by myself and I just and it was, you know, <laughs> awful. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But the, the, so this concept of loneliness, this theme of loneliness, I felt I keep drawing parallels to old movies, you know, my, my Gen X movies, and I just think of something like taxi driver. And I think, okay, no, that's a movie about loneliness. Yeah. This isn't. This is like just I don't get it. I don't again. I, I would I would implore you, Chris, to try to think about this film from the the viewpoint of somebody who say you're a twenty seven year old male, okay? Yeah. And you haven't had very many serious relationships and you're single currently, you live alone, you live in an apartment, something like that. Think about how everything about society tells you that unless you are in a relationship, you are somehow not whole. The way you know, if you watch TV shows, if you look at ads and magazines, if you listen to, you know, mu- music, 99% of music is about a, a significant other. Like everything is telling you that you're alone and you are not good enough. You know what I mean? So like think about it in that context and how this is showing like, oh, you know, there are people out there who are alone and maybe there's not something wrong with them. Maybe that's a lifestyle that they chose. And like, it's basically just, it's making fun of society for saying that you need to be validated by the companionship of someone else in order to have any type of value. I think that's like one of the, like the main points that it's poking at one of the best lines in this, (laughs) one of the best lines in this whole movie, Chris, I don't know if you remember or if it, you were sleeping or checking, you know, NHL scores or something, but was it, excuse me, was it my old lady? Don't let me eat salami no more. Uh, no, actually it's not that. Um, it was, <laughs> what do I say to that? I don't know. Um, but, uh, it's talking about how, you know, this couple, they meet up at the hotel where, um, you know, they've decided to partner. So they're going to have to go through like basically like this trial to make sure that they're actually a real couple and that people are going to judge them. And they, they, the woman says at one point that, you know, works at the hotel, she says, you know, if you guys ever fight or you have arguments or you have something where you cannot, rectify you know this dispute between the two of you let us know and we will assign a child for you that normally solves all of your problems and it's just like a like that to me is like one of the most like 
you know, just comedic lines of the entire movie, just basically talking about like it's poking fun at like people who think like, you know, oh, let's let's have a kid that will solve our problems. Our marriage was messed up beforehand. And by somehow bringing in another factor, something else that needs attention, you know, what I mean, like that's going to fix all of our problems. It just plays on all these tropes that I, that. You know, every romantic comedy is built upon every sitcom that you see. Like I said, you know, advertising, everything like that. Um, I just think it's so poignant. Every single little point that they made, Chris. Um, I, I mean, to, as, as somebody who was single for a long time, I was not a serial dater in high school. I was not a serial dater in college at all. Um, I really related to that, that 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 feeling of ostracized, you know, being ostracized, um, just that us and them kind of thing. And I, I think that's why this movie, maybe maybe we're touching a little bit. Maybe that's why it, it spoke to me a little bit more than it did you. Well, well, let me shed some light on some, something for you then. And without getting too personal, um, a couple things I've mentioned on the podcast before. Are you going to tell me you're a virgin? Oh, my. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so, so one of the things I mentioned on the, on the podcast is my age. You know what I mean? I'm not young. and I, But I got young kids, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't get married till very, very late in life. Very late in life. In fact... I remember I was in my 30s and I thought, you know what, it's probably not in the cards for me. You know, getting married, having kids, it's just not in the cards for me. I, and I just was kind of reserved to that fact. It was just, I just, not that I didn't want it, I just didn't think it was going to happen. So, you know, and I got married very late, you know, and I had kids very late. So I've got, you know, little kids. Like, to put things in perspective, my best friend, uh, I went to his kid's wedding, you know, two summers ago. You know what I mean? And I got one kid, you know, that's five, you know, so, so, so I'm a bit of a late bloomer, I guess that way. So my point is, I went for a long period of my life where I was quote unquote alone. You know what I mean? And even okay. even as such, I couldn't relate to this. And and I think maybe that's what I didn't like about it. It didn't because you know how much I love to be able to relate to movies. I love to re- be able to relate to characters and all that. And I and I just didn't. So I just felt it missed the mark for me. That's all. I just I don't know. So it's it's not it's a matter of you know like it's not a matter of that, that I've never been there. I've never been in that situation. I have. Okay, that's fair. But, but I still didn't get it. It still didn't. That, get that it. is a that is a and maybe that's one of the reasons and fair why, rebuttal. Yeah, and maybe and maybe that's one of the reasons why I disliked it so much because it should have spoke to me. It should have come across more as a satire for those things, but it didn't. So I think maybe that's why I and maybe why I hated it so much. I don't know. So that's where this is. Um, anyway, so you want to get to a little bit of trivia on this thing? Um, let's do it. Okay, <laughs> time now to have some fun. With Yancey. Okay, so Yancey, obviously, you know, I, I dislike this movie, and I'm really, and I apologize for that because it seems like it's a regular theme on the show. You know, you make me watch a, a movie, and I just, I don't like it. I'm sorry. You know, I, I want to, I want to come in and like love the movie, but eh, it makes it better, I guess, if I don't. But um, makes better radio, you know, quote unquote, right? But so, so I really, I really struggled with putting together trivia for this week because I was like. Well, what am I going to do? Ask questions about this movie? I mean, it's an obscure movie with an obscure director and a bunch of obscure actors in it. So I don't really know what to do. So then I kind of thought, well, you know, the movie is called The Lobster. So, you know, it's named after <laughs> it, it has an animal in the title. So I thought, let's have some fun. Because, you know, because I had I had very, very, very little fun watching this movie. So as a result, I want to have some fun come out of it for us. So, or for me. So I decided what I would do is... What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you uh, – we're going to talk about movies that have an animal in the title. Okay, Yancey? It's super easy. Super easy trivia for this week. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the, the year that the movie is released. And I know that you, as a millennial, you young millennial, you, you like using the IMDb, the Internet Movie Database. Correct. So I'm going to give you the year the movie was released 
and I'm going to give you the IMDb synopsis. I like this. And all you need to do is name the movie. And it should be easy because the clue on each one, there's an animal in the title. Okay? So you got so this. Every, every movie, there is an actual animal. Every movie that I'm going to give you has an animal in the title. Okay? Okay, I like this. Let's do this. This I seems easy it. enough, but I know I'm yeah. not going to do very well in this. Okay. So no worries. I give you the year and the IMDb synopsis. So I'm going to start with this one. 1995. Going way back. But you're going to like it. Because in a future world devastated by disease, a convict is sent back in time to gather information about the man-made virus that wiped out most of the human population on the planet. Uh, man, I, I feel like I should know this, Chris, but I don't. Yeah, it's right up your alley. It's 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. I've never seen it. No, well, you should watch it because that's right up your alley, right? Uh, okay, 1997. All right? A National Geographic film crew is taken hostage by an insane hunter who takes them along on his quest to capture the world's largest and deadliest snake. Anaconda? Yay! Anaconda. Remember, animal <laughs> in the title. It too easy. Yes. Animal in the title. It's an easy one, right? Okay. This is a little bit more in your wheelhouse, all right? 2011. Young Albert enlists to serve in World War I after his beloved horse is sold to the cavalry. Albert's hopeful journey takes him out of England and to the front lines as the war rages on. I don't know, Chris. It's right in there. It's right in the description. It's War Horse. War Horse. War Horse. Okay. Yep. Uh, 1996. Come on, this is going to be an easy one. This is because how old were you in 1996? I was, math is hard, eight. <laughs> eight. Okay, so this is, you would have you liked this movie at the time. A woman. No, no, no. Wait, I'm doing the math wrong. I was born in 1988. All right. To, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you're eight years old. Okay. <laughs> at, so when you're eight years old in 1996, this movie came out. A woman kidnaps puppies to kill them for their fur. But various animals then gang up against her and get their revenge in slapstick fashion. Name the movie with the animal in the title from 1996. This is 101 Dalmatians. Yay! See, you can do this. There you go. All right, I'm going way back. Way back. It's 1981. But I'll give you a hint, too. Not only is there an animal in the title, it's an animated film, okay? Two childhood friends find themselves forced to become enemies, Yancy. In 1980. I know this. I know this. What is it? I know this. It's uh, one of my brother's favorite movies growing up, one of my favorite animated movies. It's The Fox and the Hound. Congratulations. It yeah. is The Fox and the Hound. Way to go. That is a sad movie. That it's, is a It's good, good though, isn't it? Yeah. There's, oh, yeah. There's something good. I was just saying to my son the other day. There's a big difference between hand-drawn animation and computer-generated animation, and there's just something about hand-drawn animation. That does it. Okay. 2006. Again, right in your wheelhouse, right? In your generation. An FBI agent takes on a plane full of deadly and venomous snakes, deliberately released to kill a witness being flown from Honolulu to Los Angeles to testify against a mob boss. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> You got it. Congratulations. It's, it's not <laughs> okay, I'm going to go back. So this is this is a, a good one, I think. 1992. After a simple jewelry heist goes terribly wrong, the surviving criminals begin to suspect that one of them is a police informant. Give it to me one more time. After a simple 
jewelry heist goes terribly wrong, the surviving criminals begin to suspect that one of them is a police informant. 1992, Animal in the Title. People are screaming at their iPhones right now. The mole or something. I don't know. No. No, it's Reservoir Dogs. I know it's really bad. I own the movie and I've never seen it. Oh, jeez. Yes. Oh, jeez. I didn't <laughs> want to just go through this microphone and strangle you sometimes. How could you have not seen Reservoir Dogs? How could you have not seen Reservoir Dogs and own it and not seen well, it? To be fair, my wife owns it. Okay. I oh, married man. into that movie. Have you seen Pulp Fiction? I have. Did you like it? I loved it. Yes. Okay. Well, you got to watch Reservoir Dogs. You will be absolutely blown away. Okay. All right. I'm going to take it a little bit more into your generation for you, my friend. And I'm going to go up to the year 2000. A young Chinese warrior steals a sword from a famed swordsman and then escapes into a world of romantic adventure with a mysterious man in the frontier of the nation. Is this Crouching Tiger? Full title? Hidden Dragon. Yes, there you go. Congratulations. Yes, it is. Okay, 2008. The dragon warrior has to clash against the savage Tai Lung as China's fate hangs in the balance. However, the dragon warrior mantle is supposedly mistaken to be bestowed upon an obese panda who is a Tyro in martial arts. Is it Kung Fu Panda? Yes, it is. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> okay, 2005. Wow, you got a lot of these. This is awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're having fun. We want to have some fun after making me watch that movie. Uh, 2000, <laughs> 2005, Yancey, in the Antarctic. Every March since the beginning of time, the quest begins to find the perfect mate and start a family. March of the Penguins. Oh, boy. There you go. All right. Yes. And for the last one, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you all the way back to my generation, movie that I like. 1985, my friend, an ordinary high school student discovers that his family has an unusual pedigree when he finds himself turning into a werewolf. It's got to be Teen Wolf, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Again, I have not seen it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You got it. I'm very impressed that you got that. So you did okay on some of those. Some of those, some of those not so much. But uh, Chris, what does it say about me that I got March of the Penguins, but I didn't get Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, I, think I know. That's- <laughs> sad, sad Hi-ya. state of affairs. But you know, but then you, but you made me watch the lobster. So that's the way it is. Okay, so uh, so there you go. There we had it. So I, I hope you didn't mind. I kind of switched it up a little bit because I didn't really know. Like I thought, well, how am I going to answer or ask you trivia questions about this? You know what I mean? It was, even if I would have loved this movie, um, it was. I found this movie would have been really hard to dig into some trivia on it. Don't you agree? I I think it was clever, and uh, I. I'm totally cool with it if you want to do it again, to be honest with you. Okay, I probably will. Okay, so here's what I want you to do then for next week. You gotta come back and you've gotta we're gonna come back and do a movie from my generation, because that's how we work things around here, all right? Right. So what I'm gonna do is I want you to come back as a millennial and sit down and discuss with me the greatest action movie ever made. It's from 1981. Any guesses what the greatest action adventure film of all time is? Indiana Jones? 
it is we're going close, close. <laughs> you and I, I'm just going to come through this microphone, young man. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. We're going to come back. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. <laughs> it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indiana Jones is the next movie. Then they use Indiana Jones in the title on the sequels. You and millennials and your sequels. You know, you get so caught up in those things. It's 1981. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. We're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about it. I'm dying to know a millennial's perspective on this movie in terms of the special effects and the storytelling and the filmmaking. I just, I'm dying to know. So uh, you're going to have to come back next week and do that. I mean, you're up for the challenge, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Absolutely, I am. Good. So we will do that. Until then, if anybody wants to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do so at C McBrien. McBrien is I-E-N. Or you can reach Yancey at Yancey Eaton. Head over to popgoesyourworld.com. All of our contact information is there. Make sure you shoot us an email or contact us. We'll make sure we'll get back to you. It's all good. Uh, until then, this is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.